Hello, Channel Pro. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you're probably already a pretty big fan of the channel. You know how partners bring you reach and scale. You know the multiplier effect of the channel for your sales team. But are you aware just how critical partners are to the customer experience? Do you know the impact different types of partners have in the customer experience at all stages of the customer journey from pre-sales to point of sale and even post-sale? And are you aware of the shift needed in mindset within the partner and vendor community and probably within your own company? Well, today you are going to find out. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. I am Rob Spee, your cycling, sailing, and partner ecosystem fanatic and your host of Channel Journeys. And I'm pumped up coming off of our go-to-market kickoff last week, where there was a lot of talk about partner and customer success. And today I'm speaking with Nancy Ridge and Norma Wattenpah, who are here to share the findings of their groundbreaking research. They are owners of their own consulting agencies, Ridge Innovative and Phoenix CG. And they're the authors of this awesome ebook titled, Partners Are the Customer Experience. It's brought to you by the Association of Strategic Alliance Professionals, also known as ASAP. Now, before diving into my conversation with Nancy and Norma, I want to give a big shout out to Impartner. They are the sponsors of Channel Journeys. You know that building a partner ecosystem requires a powerful partner management solution. And with a global user base of over 4 million partners, Impartner is recognized as a global leading provider of partner management technologies. The Impartner platform offers really powerful capabilities like program compliance tracking, customizable partner journeys, and they enable partner teams like yours to quickly move from program design to maximum time to value from your channel. Impartner also hosts an annual event. It's called ImpartnerCon. It's happening next week. ImpartnerCon 24 is happening next week in Miami. I'll be there speaking on stage along with a lot of other great channel friends. Jay McBain's going to be there, Asher Matthews, Teresa Carrigal, Janet Shines, Vince Menzion as well. We're going to have Rod Bapti and even Tiffany Bova. What a lineup. It's going to be fantastic. I hope to see you there. All right. Are you ready to learn how partners are the customer experience? Let's go. Welcome to Channel Journeys the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Norma, Nancy, welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Great to have both of you on the show. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you for having us, Rob. Yeah, this is fun. I had traditionally been doing just sort of one-on-one interviews, and lately I'm doing a little bit more with two people, and it's a lot of fun. And I'm really eager to speak with both of you because you've done something really exciting, which is published an ebook, and it's actually a resource that I have been using a lot for conversations I've been having internally at Beyond Trust to talk about the partner ecosystem. And the, the ebook title is Partners Are the Customer Experience. Emphasis on are. Are, not will be, but are. Absolutely. <laughs> I think this is fantastic. So maybe we just start with what brought the two of you together? You're not in the same company. You are associated with ASAP, the Association for Strategic Alliance Professionals. What brought you guys together to do this report? Well, I think it originated, well, we'd known each other through ASAP and, and had been in touch, but I think what kind of spurred us into this was a report that came out from Salesforce, it was sponsored by Tiffany Bova, an evangelist there, 
that she had done with Forbes. And what it really pointed to was that employees, the employee experience has a direct and dramatic impact on customer experience and revenue growth, customer success. And we kind of looked at each other and said, but partners are the front line of the business for so many companies. So there's got to be a correlation between partner experience and customer experience and revenue and growth and innovation and Mm -hmm. all of those things. And then Nancy and I started looking for the research and it wasn't there. We talked to Forrester. We talked to IDC. We went back to Tiffany and talked to her. She goes, oh, yeah, there, there ought to be a correlation. <laughs> so we were, we were intuit- intuitively convinced that there had to be a connection, but no one had done the research. So as we often say, we're wise men fear to tread. Nancy and Norma dive in. <laughs> <laughs> two, two fearless women to tackle this issue. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yes, with a with a personal motto of be curious, this one really piqued my interest. Yes. Having many years in the partner community, and Norma and I kind of come from different sides of the partner community. So it was really complimentary, especially as we started to do the research, because we had a broad spectrum of people that we got to talk to. Mm-hmm. But I think that I was very much enamored of looking for the answers where Norma really helped me personally was she said, let's actually make it formal research and do a book on this. And I thought, wow, that's, that's great. It's more than just a single conversation between the two of us that might end up being a blog. This could actually, as in your case, be useful. So thank you for saying that you've used the information because ultimately that's the goal. We want to evangelize this idea that partners are the customer experience. Yeah. And that's why I thought it was so important to get you on the show to let the listeners know what you guys have done, because I think this can be a really valuable resource to everyone listening to this podcast. So you, you started this research. Who is included? Who did you include in the conversation to gather the data? Well, there are about a hundred companies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And across a lot of different areas too. Mm -hmm. So we talked to GSIs, we talked to ISVs, we talked to manufacturing organizations. So really looked for, we talked to MSPs, we really looked for a cross section. Mm -hmm. So a broad, diverse ecosystem of vendors as well as the partners. Yes. And that was key because as we found out, it's more than a partner experience. It's an ecosystem experience. Yeah. What do you mean by that, Norma? Well, when we talk, when we start talking to how partners interface with customers, what their relationship were with customers, we found that partners touch customers at every point of that customer journey. And they're not the same partner at every touch point. So and I, and I think there's also some research from one of the analysts that says five to seven partners are involved in every enterprise solution. So they're in there and they're mm-hmm. all doing, filling their different niches within the ecosystem in terms of their roles, how they provide value to customers, how they influence customers. And that came out very clearly in, in the research that we did. What what other big surprises were there in the in doing this research or was it more validation of what you already suspected? It was both. A little bit of both. <laughs> but I think one of the big surprises we had is that we had nearly 100% of the respondents say that customer business outcomes were better through partners. And I was curious about that one. It doesn't surprise me at all. 
Is this the partner saying this, or did you also speak to any of the end customers who are saying this? We talk to mostly partners, but also partners that are very much in the trusted advisor roles. A lot of mm-hmm. quite a quite a strong handful of GSIs. Yeah, mm-hmm. and as I said, it's it's being validated. Most of the vendors that we talked to would would even validated that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and were, I think that- they were very strong in that response. Yeah, and there are a ton of reasons why, and you dive into a lot of those in the in the report. So partners spanning the customer journey, maybe we can dive into that one a little bit more. I thought it was really interesting in your research. You broke it down into the pre-sales, point of sale, and post-sales. So I'd love to dive into that in a, in a deeper way and talk about the, each of those different segments. And you also saw a lot of different partner types engaged in all three of those segments of the journey. Absolutely. Yeah, to to Norma's point, it really does emphasize the fact that we are looking at ecosystem environment today relative to partners. And a lot of that has to do with the nature of industry today. I mean, we're looking at digital transformation across the board. And as that occurs, many of the solutions or the business outcomes that customers are seeking. And that's really what they're seeking. Mm-hmm. You know, just yesterday I was with a group of professionals and someone said, what is, what is the product? And I said, well, the product is the business outcome ultimately. Mm-hmm. And as Norma mentioned, there's many partners who interact or intersect along that journey. And you can look at it from a perspective of scale. Like, do you need multiple partners to help scale better, or you can look at it from the perspective of value. So oftentimes a partner or even a service provider is bringing a portion of a solution, but they need those partners to complete the business outcome or to complete the solution. Mm -hmm. And even if it's a simple, let's say it's a simple product or solution, perhaps they need the partner to bring the relationship to really cement the deal and keep that retention aspect going, which is so critical as we're in this subscription-based world today. Yeah, absolutely. One of the first things that jumped out in the, reading the report was a stat that you gave, and it said, I think 87% of customers would mm-hmm. say the partner found the opportunity, but only 60% transacted through the partner. By the yeah. way, what, that was one of the surprising findings. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What do you and think you said, that is telling us? <laughs> <laughs> How did you read that? Well, I think what that means is that there's a lot of influence on partners buying decisions that's going on. It's not just merely the, the partner that's doing the transaction. And particularly when you talk about these multi-partner opportunities, there's usually someone in there that's acting as the orchestrator. It's tying all the solution pieces together, which is often going to be a, a systems integrator or solution provider of some sort who might have a lot of influence, not necessarily handling the transaction that does the delivery, but architecting the, well, the digital solution, the digital transformation solution. Yeah. Easy for you to say, Norma. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> And I, my experience with partners over many, many years, that didn't surprise me that the number was so high in terms of partners identifying the opportunity, because I know for a fact that partners are all about building relationships. That has always been the highest value that they brought to any relationship with a service provider or someone that they're partnering with. They always wanted to have access mm-hmm. to the people and the relationships that partners have built. So. If you're close to 
the customer, then you know what they're looking for. And that's the way you identify the opportunity. Yeah, I, I think it's such an important fact because if you look at what percentage of partners get credit for the opportunity in terms of deal, deal registration, right? It's a much lower number. So that influence is so important, but you may not see it in your deal reg stats, right? And mm -hmm. so everyone's going to be saying, well, what did that partner really bring me? Right. Well, they're bringing you all of that influence, 87% influence that you're not seeing. Yep. Attribution yes. is still a big challenge in a big way. And when you say people aren't seeing it, the most important ones that don't see it or recognize it are the CEOs and the leaders of these organizations, particularly if they're transforming their business model into a digital model yeah. from a legacy business. And there's so many companies doing that right now that this is where some of our passion comes into play. Let us help the leaders at the top who are making the investments in their go-to-market strategies. Ultimately, they are the ones who decide help them understand how important a partner is. And of course, salespeople have known for many years and my background's in sales. And so I know that salespeople, their secret weapon oftentimes is the partner. Mm -hmm. And they don't necessarily want that attribution to come forward for a lot of different reasons. Oh, that's that's too true. Sadly, that's, that's <laughs> too either. true. But that's changing too. Slowly, slowly. But the interesting stat was 87% influence, 60% transactions on partners that that matches exactly we're right at that 60 percent number globally of transactions going through partners so it's just That's spot on to, amazing. to yeah Great. to our world yeah so in the pre-sales i was just looking some of the other key things that jumped out 70 percent identify and engage key decision makers and that's that's got to cut cut across a lot of different partner types that you spoke to oh yes i think most of them in the pre-sales journey did you notice any particular partner type standing out or was it pretty blended in terms of all the different partners playing a role, whether it was sales role or influence role in that pre-sales stage? It was pretty high across the board. I mean, 87% cut across almost all the partner types. Yeah. I, I think when you get to some of the other findings about providing the value proposition for the solution, that's going to focus more on those partners that take a more holistic ecosystem orchestrator role where they're orchestrating the solution around the customer and helping develop the value proposition and the business case. So that, that would be a more narrowly defined partner versus one that's providing a single solution or a single product. That one really jumped out at me, Norma, because I think that one is so critical, creating that, that customer value proposition. And today, like you said, business outcome, it's a multi-product, multi-service sol solution implementation to do that. So we as point vendors, we can't do that on our own. We need these partners that are driving that value proposition. And we're having a lot of conversations about that better together story. And it's oftentimes not just one partner. It could be several technology partners, a, a GSI, a boutique service delivery partner, all working together mm -hmm. to provide that stronger value proposition. Yeah, yeah it, it takes a village to, to put that all together. Yeah, so, and that's where, where the challenge is too for mm -hmm. organizations like yours to make sure that you're really attracting those partners and being a good partner yourself so that they really see your value proposition and how that interweaves with their own. Absolutely. And I think too, these things tie together. So we're talking about pre-sales, but your engagement post-sales with these partners is what then allows them to tell a better value prop story and then start driving more new business with you. That's mm -hmm. where the customer starts realizing the business outcomes. 
Yes. Right? It's, and it, they're, they're really, it's a circle. It's an evolving circle that ties together. Mm-hmm. At the point of sale, let's, any okay. other thoughts on the pre-sales? No, let's move on to uh, okay, point of sale. Okay. So point of sale, what did you guys find out there that, that maybe surprised you or just reemphasize what you thought already at the point of sale in the partner ecosystem? Well, the the point we earlier made that uh, partners were only doing roughly 60% of the fulfillment, but also the add-ons, the additional IP component was a fairly high percentage too, in that it's more than just one product being sold and implemented as we all know. Yeah, which was 58% said that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that value curve that I talked about Mm -hmm. a minute ago, where at the point of sale, the most successful partners are bringing some sort of IP to the table or yes. managed service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that could be IP added around your product, right? That they create. Mm-hmm. That they create. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of accelerators and connectors and, and IP that partners are providing. And it might be integration with existing legacy systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where I think it's so much bigger than our old transactional channel that we thought about, right? And you certainly had resellers who would be bringing multiple products to the table, but this is this is so much more with the implementation services that are wrapped around it, right? And the innovation around the different products. Yeah. And I think the distinction there, Rob, is that the focus is more on the customer experience. Mm-hmm. Going back to that bottom line, it's like, what is the customer really getting out of it rather than the, in those transactional models where it was just, how can we sell more product? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to this in terms of what can we as vendors do to make sure that the partners are delivering a great customer experience, right? And that they themselves are having a, a great experience. All right. So, and then post-sales, you actually had quite a bit of research on the post-sale portion of, of really the value out of the ecosystem. What, what jumped out at you there? Well, again, but just in that case, I was really validated in a lot of respects, just, mm-hmm. just based on my experience of being a partner over the years and working mm-hmm. with partners who were part of the sale process, which is the partner really has such a big impact post-sale. They really are the ones who hold the hand of the customer and get close to them through that implementation process and act as the liaison between the service provider. And and also now there's more and more instances where you have multiple partners, as Norma mentioned, in a in a particular deal. So no finger pointing, let's collaborate, let's work together on behalf of the customer. That's what is the cement that kind of pulls it all together really makes it solid. And we're seeing more data come out now from people, most recently a book on capital efficiency, that partners, if there are more than five partners in an opportunity, five integrations, there's a big uplift in retention and in customer lifetime value. Hmm. So it's becoming more important to have those integrations and partnerships where you go to market, link arms and go to market, not just to make the sale, which of course there's a lot of data on how much improved the sales process is, but post-sale, what that means in terms of retention and upsell and cross-sell, which of course you want a customer for life. Mm-hmm. Right. With the SaaS company where net retention revenue is is really key, right? That's so, the business, yeah. That's the business. And so right. those integrations can really help lock that in. Yeah. And now that we have so much capital funding, it's continuing to flow into the industry. The trend has really shifted from growth to efficiency 
as far as that capital goes and what they really want to see the investors. And to Norma's point, we, we've just seen a new report come out that talks about specifically how partners have an impact on that, on that efficiency because of how they contribute to the post-sale uh, experience for the customer. So in post-sales, a couple interesting things I think stood out. Very high percentages, obviously, on partners implementing the product, providing integration services, providing managed services was up there. What was much lower, though, was tracking customer business outcomes and ROI from a partner perspective. And I would suggest <laughs> that it's because we're still early stages. Yeah. There's the rub. <laughs> yeah, I think we're still early on in, in getting, getting a handle on actually tracking customer success through partners. Yeah. yeah, we're still we're still hearing people are very excited when they tell us that they're moving beyond the customer NPS to a a partner NPS. So, we're beginning to see more organizations commit to that and set up metrics to measure the partner experience with them. But what we're talking about is how the partner experience affects the customer, customer experience. experience. And that is still out of reach. Mm -hmm. Almost everyone we spoke to said, they're not, we're not doing that. We don't know how to do that. We'd like to do that. And, and we talked to one organization, very big software company, and they said, what we do know is when we track the NPS score with the customer, that if a partner is, is involved, that oftentimes we see a better score, but that's as far as they've been able to get. Yeah, definitely a lot of work needs to be done still, I think, in, in the organizations or groups within the company that are tracking customer success of inter, interweaving that partner story into it. I know in our case, we're kind of siloed in measuring those two, but they ought to be measured together. The, the other thing you said in the, or the research showed was only 49% of the partners are providing that ongoing customer success service. And so I, I think this is where vendors are still in the lead in terms of having customer success teams. More and more partners are starting to add this, but it's still, still a work in progress, it looks like. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would say we're still evolving there. Oh, I think research as, such as we provide, the information we provide will encourage more partners to do that because there is, there's a, a mutual success uh, club here where... <laughs> <laughs> customer success is a partner success is the vendor success so yeah everybody's kind of going through this transition though because yeah. if you, we talked about how we came from the the environment of much more transactional in terms of how partner engagements were and in that environment which is what we existed for years and years the partner's whole job was to go find a new customer transact the deal and move on like they were considered successful if they didn't touch that customer again. If And a good vendor was considered good from a partner perspective if they had the customer success teams to keep that client happy. Yeah. But now that we're transitioning into the subscription-based world where retention is everything, like Jay McBain always says, like, you got to keep them dancing, right? Don't just get them on the dance floor, but keep them dancing. <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> it, it's taking time for that shift to occur, to realize that there needs to be a different approach on behalf of both the organization and the partner. Yeah. And it is a big shift. It's a big mindset shift mm -hmm. in the partner community, as well as our vendor community and getting folks across the company to, to better understand that. And, and one, of, one of the people we surveyed reminded us that compensation is very much tied to that. 
Oh, so yes. This mm-hmm. is where you now get into let's engage our CFO in the conversation because that's where these metrics become so important. How are you going to comp the partner if you don't believe that they had a hand in the retention? Yeah. And how do you comp your sales reps to drive the right behavior? Another big part of the equation. Awesome. Okay. Let's, let's jump to how customers benefit from a strong partner experience. You guys spent quite a bit of time on that topic. Yeah. Yeah. They partner benefits. Okay. So the big one that stood out was 82% wanted sales and enablement and training still. So I think that is still a huge aspect of what the the partners looking for and their Mm -hmm. experience with the service provider is they really, how are they going to get on board if they don't really know your value proposition? Mm -hmm. If they're not up to speed on it, if they're not in that inner circle in terms of really understanding the best way to express the value to the customer. So that piece is still hugely critical. That's the number one thing. And is that even more important to many partners than the margin, like a resale margin? I think what we find is that the resale margin is only a small part of a partner's economic model. Mm-hmm. The margin these days, particularly on SaaS, is for every dollar of license sale, there's there's a potential of five to seven times more service revenue. Mm-hmm. So the margin becomes the <clears throat> razor to which they can sell the razor blades, right? The yes. <laughs> so the services like are a big component of, of implementation, of ongoing management, so that the lifetime value to a partner is in the services and in the IP. IP is growing mm-hmm. more and more as a, a large component because IP in particular is all margin once you've got mm-hmm. it built, right? So it's, it's yeah. a very substantial part. So I think that's the other thing that vendors need to keep in mind is that while if you hand someone your wallet and say, here's some money, they're going to take it, but where they're going to make their money, their profits are going to be in the services. So enabling them in the services component, both pre-sales and implementation and post-sales is going to is a much bigger factor in terms of partner profitability, their experience and how they service your customers. Yeah. And the mind share you're going to get from that partner. Yes. That's really big, Rob. Yeah. So that's a big element. What other benefits are they looking for, Nancy? Uh, well, technical training was a big one still. So, you know, that speaks to certifications and enablement on the technical side. So again, as we look at more complex, more complexity in terms mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. solutions we're dealing with and how important integration, I mean, that's risen to the top of the priority list for most companies when they're looking at making changes of almost doing anything mm-hmm. now that it has to have some sort of integration. So making sure that your partners are really up to speed in terms of what they need to know relative to the technical side of the equation. Mm -hmm. And they're acknowledged by you for having that. Yeah. Do you think this is, or should start changing partner programs in any way, what you found out? Should it be changing how we build our programs for the ecosystem? We're seeing some of these changes in play already. A lot of programs are now recognizing those specializations and certifications and industry expertise as key elements of value that partners bring to customers versus the traditional strictly volume, how much of my stuff you're going to sell. I think the the question has become how much value do you bring the customer, which 
ultimately does result in more revenue and more any for all. It grows the pie instead of just shuffles margin from one balance sheet to another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that's where we're seeing some of the shift away from the old traditional metals programs to more of those points driven programs. And the points are tied to the specializations and the certifications and even things like retention. Mm -hmm. So those are driving more value as opposed to just measuring transaction volume, sales volume. Again. Yeah. 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 The thing about measuring just transaction volume is that revenue is a lagging indicator. It's based on decisions and investments you made a quarter or a year ago, not on the things you need to be doing today to grow the business tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's a very important shift is thinking, what, what are the things, what are the investments you want to make in your partners that you want your partners to make in you that's going to grow the business long-term? What do you think some of the leading indicators are that we should be looking at? Well, one of the things I've always seen is that technical expertise, industry expertise, those things really help mm-hmm. partners carve out a differentiation and a niche where they can be successful. Yeah. So the enablement of those partners. Absolutely. As a, as a precursor to the value that they can add. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Setting, setting the tone. <laughs> yep. So there's one chart in here that I really loved, and it's rate how customers benefit from a stronger partner experience. And this one for me was really the punchline. And okay, all this work that we're doing to enable the partners and enable this diverse ecosystem, what does it really give us, right? And I use this because a lot of times companies or sales reps will say, well, what is the partner really doing for me if they're not bringing me a deal, right? Which is that very kind of old-fashioned transaction-focused mindset as opposed to the, the SaaS world mindset of customer experience and customer success. So you you guys laid out a couple of things, six things actually, that mm-hmm. customers benefit. The first one's customers realize better business outcomes with yeah. partners, right? And that that, that really biggie. that was the big one, right? That's a big mm-hmm. one. And I can cite an example where I saw this play out is that, and one reason why it's not just about margin and revenue is in an it was an airport integration project where the deal was like five times larger created a lot more value for the airport, the airlines, passengers. The reason being is that it increased the capacity of these airports to drive more more passengers through without increasing more gates and real estate. Mm -hmm. So a few pennies on the hardware and software was nothing to them. It was the ability to push, I think it increased the capacity like 30%. It was their ability to increase their capacity to serve passengers and airlines by 30%, which was mega million dollars more than the cost of the of the yeah, solution. I bet. So it relieved the it relieved the margin pressure. Yeah, that's a great example. Another one and kind of ties to this, I think, is customers benefit by working with partners with deep industry expertise. I would venture to guess some partners involved in that project had some deep airline were, industry. Yeah. They were very specialized. The the lead partner in that was specialized in airport integration. Mm-hmm. That's all they did. Yeah. Yeah. And most vendors are not going to have that type of expertise nope. on board, but they your partners, partner. <laughs> you can find a partner that has it. Yeah. GSIs, yeah. especially hire that kind of industry expertise. A lot of your regionals will have that as well. So yeah, you, that is a great place to find it. 
Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to that concept of capital efficiency, mm-hmm. rather than trying to build it in-house, which can be very expensive and yeah. miss the mark. And from a timing standpoint, like you've got the opportunity now, you don't have time to build that in-house or to try to acquire it with that has all those other pitfalls. Instead, partner. Yeah. The other one, we won't go through them all, but another one that jumped out at me, customers want to know that partners have a strong relationship with their suppliers. <laughs> yes. And and we may overlook that sometime, how important that is to the customer. Customer yeah. doesn't want the blame game or the finger pointing. They they don't want to buy, as I say, they don't want to buy a box of parts. <laughs> they, want a, they want a seamlessly <laughs> integrated solution. Yeah, not a blame game. I like that one. So in terms of partner mix, you spoke to a lot of different partners and you address this in the report, in the ebook. What kind of partner mix should vendors have in place? Well, I think it's going to be a little different based on the the vendor. It's going to be different based on their customer. But my primary advice is that you want to design your ecosystem and your component of partners around the customer mm-hmm. in terms of what are they going to need. And in today's take a digital solution of some sort, it's probably someone in that ecosystem has to act as the the orchestrator who kind of does the architecture of the solution, keep all the piece parts working together, not, not the box of parts, but keeping them all <laughs> working together, as well as the applications that are providing the solutions and services. So, And then the after support, it might be an MSP or maybe a functional partner of some sort. And I think too, what we're seeing now, we're experiencing this with a software company we're working with today, where it depends on your product too. So now that organizations may have different products where there's a segmentation in terms of the best partners that's required as well. Mm -hmm. One product that you may be offering may require a certain set of partners that can really deliver that best experience. Whereas another product, you have a a different segmented team of partners. So it really requires some thoughtfulness on behalf of your partner and alliance managers to really look at who are the best players in this particular ecosystem. Because to the earlier point that was made, I think the more we can hone in on those specializations and really be cognizant of what it is that customer is seeking and get right to the outcome that's required, the more successful everyone's going to be. And and that shows that care that you mentioned earlier, that the customer wants to see that there's a good relationship between the vendor and, and the partner. I think when you've got a good, thoughtful match like that, it's a lot easier to achieve. It doesn't get done through buying more drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, I had one partner manager tell me that her company did account-based marketing, but they also did account-based partnering. So if they had a major account, they would go into the account and figure out who's already there and who else do we need to bring in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I advocate. Look at the landscape of partners that are in that account that the customer's already working with, that that's the start of your ecosystem in that account. Norma, you said something interesting that, about the ecosystem orchestration, because I, I promote this but more at a broader go-to-market level, you were talking about ecosystem orchestration on a deal level, right? For a particular opportunity. 
And is do you think the vendor rep is always the orchestrator of that, or or who do you see being the orchestrator of that ecosystem? It really depends on who has the trusted relationship with the client. If you're a big mm-hmm. platform company like I don't know SAP, you might have much more influence and much more ability to orchestrate the ecosystem than if you're a much smaller player. Yeah, right. quite often right. the ecosystem orchestrators are going to be maybe a solution provider or an SI mm-hmm. because they have or, that, or an MSP. They had uh, they're in the role of the one throat to trope role. You know, they're the yeah, yeah, ultimately responsible mm-hmm. for success. And that requires a lot of trust on behalf of the the seller, right, of the vendor rep, to okay. trust his partners and the re- relationships yeah. that they have there. And it, it, to have some humility, you got to take your ego out of the equation. <laughs> if if that partner has the trusted position with the customer, then stand back and let them leverage that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So based on this, and we just, I think, just skim the surface of all the information mm-hmm. that's in this ebook. There's so much more. <laughs> what call to action would you recommend for listeners? Other than, well, first off, they need to get a copy of the yeah, report. buy the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buy the ebook. So let's talk about that. How can they get a copy? If you are an existing member or interested in becoming a member of ASAP, then it is available immediately on their website. So, yeah. And we'll have a link in the go. show notes for everyone. Yeah. yeah. There we go. The big news is it's going to be out on Amazon. Okay. Excellent. Well, congratulations. I think that's Thank great. You. So. Everybody go out and get a copy of this for sure. And if folks have questions, can they reach you on LinkedIn? Is that the best way? LinkedIn's great. Yep, 100%. And one of the things that we are offering is we're bringing workshops around this data into Ah. organizations. So that's another good call to action. Because as was mentioned several times during our discussion today, this really is a, a mind shift in many cases. And it's not just for the partner alliance teams within an organization. It really requires the whole organization to embrace this concept, Uh, particularly if you have a direct sales team, too, Mm -hmm. because we want to enroll people into the the focus on the business outcome for the customer and how the partner relates to all that. Who would you typically invite to that workshop? Well, we'd start with the stakeholders. I think the people in the leadership roles are mm-hmm. really important because without executive sponsorship and buy-in of this mindset, it's it's very, very difficult yeah. to have it take root in the rest of the organization. Yeah, I would so, think you'd you'd virtually want the entire C-suite there because- We want the, we want the C-suite. Yeah, if you, we can yeah. get in there, I think it'd be great because it is, it, it is a difference in thinking. It really is. Or your C-suite, your executive leadership team, all yeah, the right. cross-functional leaders, yeah. because exactly. it is. I I know from my own experience, it's not just the sales go-to-market team. It's it's everything. It's your finance group, your HR group, marketing. I mean, we talked about all of those today, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Professional services. It's also important that you get aligned on this and recognize the opportunity and the reasons why the old approach is not working in the in the modern SaaS world. And the benefits. I mean, there's some pretty hardcore financial benefits of going to market through partners and ecosystems, both on the go-to-market side in terms of increased deal size, better closure rates, faster closure rates, closing Mm -hmm. rates. Higher retention. Higher retention, stronger customer lifetime value. And also this new angle that we 
become aware of the whole capital efficiency notion of mm-hmm. being able to grow your business more efficiently through partners than your in, in better utilization of your capital assets. Yeah. It's hugely important. So you're doing these workshops. That's fantastic. Where can they find out more about that? Again, just reach out to us. Yeah. Contact either Nancy or myself and Mm -hmm. uh, we're happy to speak to you about these. Okay, great. Any other plans based on the research of what you guys have coming next? I think we're trying to swallow this elephant right now. But <laughs> well, I, I'm work. you know, you bet, you bet. But we're always looking ahead. It's like, how can we take it to the next level? Mm-hmm. So I really want to thank you for having us on your podcast today because hopefully we'll attract other people who have the same interest. And, you know, we can continue to collaborate with other thought leaders in the industry here to learn, like, who's doing what, because we really want to know if there's anyone who's kind of cracked the code, so to speak, in terms of measuring partner experience as it relates to customer experience. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a a conversation we need to keep having. Partners are the customer experience and we need to keep (laughs) educating folks on why that is so. And your research report was a great first step in that. So thank you so much for for the research and for coming on the show to share it. Thanks for having us. All right. It was fun. It was fun. All right. Take care. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure. There you go, guys. What a great conversation. And we really touched on just some of the super valuable research shared in this ebook. Nancy and Norma pointed out the significance of partners who interact at every touchpoint in the customer journey. And it's not just a single partner, but a collaboration of various partners, each fulfilling unique roles in the ecosystem for the customer. Their research highlights why we need a shift in mindset within the partner and vendor community and within our own companies. And it's no longer about only sales volume and transactions, but about ensuring customer experience and customer success. This is excellent third-party data, guys, and you can use it in educating your own internal cross-functional leadership on the power of the ecosystem and the critical importance of partner experience. I found it super useful in my role at Beyond Trust. For all of today's show notes and show links, go to channeljourneys.com slash CJ132. You can subscribe to Channel Journeys while you're there so you don't miss an episode. Also, be sure to check out our sponsor, Impartner, at impartner.com. And it's not too late to register and get yourself to Miami for ImpartnerCon 24. I switched things up a bit with this episode. So next episode, you are going to hear about the future of distributor marketplaces that I told you about in the last episode. I promise. Until then, have an awesome channel journey.